Welcome everyone to the Anagram Journey Podcast with the Anagram Godmother, Suzanne Stabile. My name is Joel, and I'll be hopping in every now and then like I normally do. And today's guests are Andrew and Braden Bowles from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Andrew is a nine, formerly thought he was a five, and Braden is six. They're both from Waco, Texas, and went to Baylor University. I'm sure they would want to shout out to everyone down there in Waco. Uh, They're married now and doing life, like I said, in Oklahoma City. Andrew is a minister at First Baptist OKC, and Brayden is a therapist, chosen by social work, as she puts it. Today we're going to talk about being on that 369 triangle, withdrawing independent stances, and the importance of mental health, spiritual directors, and therapists. Please be sure and visit lifeinthetrinityministry.com for some new exciting workshop recordings. Uh, Suzanne already has out her new recording of Stress and Security, which I think is one of our top four workshops. And over the upcoming days, weeks, and months, there will be more live and virtual opportunities uh, that LTM will be unveiling. And don't forget to grab your face mask while you're there. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and uh, enjoy the journey. new moniker just a thing right (laughs) and we know there's so much more than Mm -hmm. that and I want that for people and I can't make that happen of course so I'm so glad you all made it happen but I do have to say uh Braden and Andrew it is more unusual than you might think for the guy to get the girl interested (laughs) usually that happens the other way around so, um, how did that unfold? You want me to go? Yeah. Yeah, so um, just my history with the Enneagram, it started back when I was at Baylor, and you were coming regularly, and I had friends that were um, in your apprenticeship back when that was a thing. Yeah. Um, Christopher Mack and that yeah. whole crew. Yep. Um, and so they got me interested in the Enneagram when I was just starting at Baylor, so almost 10 years ago now. Um, and then as I went through my college years and I was able to go to, you know, your number. And once I got through know your number, the more advanced workshops that you were at, um, that you were leading when you were at Baylor, I just was able to get more and more into it. Um, ironically enough, I initially thought I was a, a five, um, with the later on, once Braden and I started dating and we were doing Enneagram work together, um, realizing that it was just the the withdrawing stance part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the, the rationale behind the withdrawing was made me realize that I was a nine, but it was, um, pretty much as soon as we started dating <laughs> that we started talking about the Enneagram. I told her about it. Um, I had a copy of the know your numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started just working through them and, um, she jumped on immediately. <laughs> yeah. So Andrew in, true form like isn't like typical guys um there's you know a lot of things which was what interested me in him I was like okay he's not your typical you know 20 something guy who um he is you know willing to do the work and um that was evident from whenever I first met him I was like okay he's not just you know going through the motions uh his character was what you know really attracted me to him but whenever he first said something about it I he was like told started talking about the Enneagram. I had never heard of it. I was like, so we started watching the Know Your Number videos, and um, I was like, I have 
No idea. And a long uh, circle for you. <laughs> going going around the circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it took me I don't even know what because after watching the Know Your Number videos, um, I wouldn't say that I was like particularly engaged with it still. Um, but I think it was kind of the quest of like finding my number. Mm. That was really because after watching it, like every number, I was like, oh, that could be me. Oh, that could be me too. Oh, I see that. And uh, so it, it took a really long time for me to go to be really engaged. And um, but it was, I think, kind of the trying to figure out what my number actually was that really got me engaged. And then to be able to admit that you are a six. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's typical six behavior. <laughs> you know, like it. I could be all numbers, and I don't know about this really. And I. I, 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 you know, one of the reasons I teach in the order that I do is so sixes are as close to the end as I can get them. <laughs> because I know you're not going to say you're any number till you've heard them all, and that leaves you with just one left. Right. Um, and most of the times when somebody comes up to me at the end of a workshop and says, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure what number I am, then I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right, what number... <laughs> Um, I also think, Joel, we have a plug here for, hey, if you're a great guy and you really want to date a certain girl, just get her interested in the Enneagram. Like, I'm telling you, it works. It works. That's gold right there. Yeah. yeah. Then it, it means you're a thinker and a feeler and a doer and you care and yeah. Imagine having your mother as the Enneagram godmother. I mean, that was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's better than having a, a puppy. That's the golden mine. <laughs> funny okay uh we're gonna do some talking on and off about the fact that you are on that central triangle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the enneagram which means that you kind of become each other and you look like each other but not at the same time and you both yep. go to three but at different times and if you ever both make that move then there's a little connection that's kind of fun and I think uh, it's not possible to over-talk what happens on that central triangle, and yet people who aren't on it absolutely don't get it. Yep. They do not get what we're talking about. I um, want to talk about the fact that you are uh, in your first year of ministry of sorts, yep. like you've been in ministry for a long time, and Andrew, as you might imagine, because of my background, I and because of who I'm married to, I don't uh, put your ministry in any way ahead of Braden's because mm -hmm. we're all in ministry, and certainly Braden, you are as because well. We really know that I'm doing the holy work. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we know. Real this fast, is. let's put a little context to that statement. Yeah. So, what she's saying, we got pastor, pastor's wife. Is, yeah. We do have pastor, pastor's wife, and we have pastor, pastor's wife, who's a social worker. So it's, and pastor's a nine. Like, it's kind of historical for me, actually. <laughs> that makes me feel good. <laughs> but, but being on the triangle, leaving Waco, moving to Oklahoma City, uh, landing in those roles, whether you connect to them or not, People in a church always not only connect, but connect with expectation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've been married one year. Yes. So I feel like I've just set the table for us to talk about almost anything. <laughs> yeah, talk pretty much. <laughs> right. We've got a lot to talk about as we unpack what 
those things might look like and what they might be about for you. And I don't want to feed you questions that lead the discussion. I would like to hear you kind of talk about what you're experiencing. And then I'd like to overlay or add the Enneagram piece of mm-hmm. that as I see it. Is that all right with y'all? It yeah. works. Okay, good. Let's let's do that then. And Braden, you get to start. Okay. Uh, and you get to start because you're a pastor's wife, <laughs> uh, because you're not usually chosen early on to be the speaker for the couple. And let's just uh, start with the fact that you're a six, you're married to a pastor, you're in a fairly conservative state, you are connected by vocation to adoption and foster care and all that goes that with that, which is so much. So much. Um, so how are you doing? Um, where do you see yourself on the continuum of phobic to counterphobic? <laughs> yeah, let's let's hear from you first, and then Andrew, you can kind of overlay your new role, and then let's play with that for yeah. a while. Yeah. So I am a six, um, and I am a pretty far counterphobic six, um, which. So I feel like I have a lot of the, like, aggressive um, tendencies that a typical, like, when you think of, like, if you're thinking of a phobic six, doesn't really, you know, have that. Um, Or counterphobic six, and then work as a therapist for foster care and adoption agency, but we also work with at-risk families in the community. So I work with a lot of families um, we have a prevention program to prevent families from being involved in, you know, the um, DHS system. And so I actually started that the first week that, like, everything shut down. Um, and so because I, when we first moved to Oklahoma, I was working at um, Oklahoma City Public Schools as a school counselor. Um, and so then wanted to do more of the clinical work because I'm a trained, um, I'm trained in EMDR, Mm -hmm. stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and it's a um, trauma reprocessing therapy. And so I have done that personally in counseling, but I'm also trained in it. And so uh, just know what a, what a really cool thing it is. And so I wanted to be able to use that to help people. And so that's what what had me look for a, you know, more clinical um, position. And so it was February, I think, whenever I applied for the job, because I knew that, you know, at the end of the school year, I wanted to transition Mm -hmm. out of the schools. And uh, just things kind of fell together and um, wasn't planning on starting full time until the school year was over. And then COVID happened, and so there I was, (laughs) like, okay, well, I guess I can start now, Mm -hmm. Um, and so that has been a good thing and a bad thing, I think, starting, starting during, like, quarantine, because it had, I had something to learn and, like, keep my mind busy, and starting a new job is always challenging, Um, but starting a new job in, like, the middle of a quarantine was particularly challenging but the agency that I work for is so great um, and have a supervisor that's incredible and so has made the transition so easy Um, okay I want to ask you a question yeah it is the assumption of a lot of people that 
our being quarantined has meant that sixes are more afraid, that fives <laughs> are just happy to be home and alone. Lots of bad assumptions. Right. Um, I want to clarify that it's just hard to start a new job during a quarantine for anybody. Right. And then if there's a piece of sixness that you think is unique to that, I'd love to know what that is. It would be hard for me to start, too, but for two reasons, not... Right. So I don't know that my sixness... I don't know. It's because with the quarantine, um, I had one moment at the very beginning where I had the world is going to end. I cried about it and then was like, okay, it's probably not going to end. We're going to probably be okay because he told me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Man, that was the most sick statement ever. <laughs> We're probably going to be okay because he told me. That's right. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? It's like, I didn't, be clear, I didn't get there on my own. <laughs> right. <laughs> but pastor guy over here who I trust. Pastor guy. I mean, yeah. I was at the total, like, Jesus is probably coming back soon. Like, this is what this means for the world. It's over. Right. Um, and so I had that little meltdown at the very beginning, you know, when everything was still fresh and then got over that and then have just been really annoyed with the rest of the world the rest of the time because I'm like, you guys are like freaking out and all of this. And I mean, I've just been like, this is, you know, what I live in. Like, I am so used to the anxiety and the, you know, what ifs. And so that like, I don't, I don't, I don't vocalize that. I kind of like internalize that and change my plans accordingly. And so whenever I hear people vocalize anxiety, it just makes me so annoyed because I'm like, why don't you know how to deal with that? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I've always said that sixes in the moment do great. (laughs) Like in, in the time, they're all up for whatever comes and they do really well. They fall apart afterwards. And, you know, I also think that there are more sixes than any other number. So I don't know if once the shutdown is over, there's going to be another shutdown. (laughs) And it's all the sixes who just can't handle everything that happened. (laughs) Right, right. So I think that's a a real important part of any story that sixes tell about themselves is that I felt the feeling and then I took care of business because that's what sixes do. Right. Yeah, I am very good during crisis and uh, worked for a little bit after I graduated with my undergrad at a domestic violence shelter as a case manager. And I mean, just really felt like I was thriving all the time there until I stopped working there. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. like because I like. I mean, I, I just do really well in crisis situations. And so whenever I'm out of that and I have to, like, come back down, it, like, takes a – I go through this whole, you know, the world's going to end again type mm-hmm. thing in my head of, like, how, like what do I do now? I, like, mm-hmm. forget how to do the normal, like, day-to-day things. Yeah, it's interesting that you instinctually are so capable. But because you're thinking repressed, you don't recognize how capable you are until you – you get into it and then you don't recognize how capable you were and all of the things that you overcame until after it's over. Right. It's a fascinating thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. So, um, Andrew, I'll be back, Braden. Don't. 
You're not off the hook. No, you stay right there on the edge of the chair. All right, what you got? Well, I think it was really interesting because my job at, at our church is so multifaceted. My official title is Minister for Students and Missions, but I'm one of two full-time staff members at our church. And during the course of COVID, just seeing the way that we've all just kind of fluctuated through different things. Um, so I, I don't remember if it was you or Barbara during the um, during boot camp mm-hmm. uh, that said something along the lines of you're going to be either at one end of the spectrum um, of your number during COVID or mm-hmm. somewhere in between kind of fluctuating between both. Um, and I've really seen that a lot um, during during COVID times of like when we when we first started shutting down back in March, we were thinking through, okay, what is what is church going to look like? How are we going to do everything, everything online? How are we going to keep people connected um, and doing all the online technological, social media, all that stuff is right in my wheelhouse. So I, um, when we were, when COVID first started happening, we were actually in, in Austin um, celebrating birth of one of our nieces. Um, and I was, cranking out stuff while we're on that trip, just trying to figure out, okay, what, how are we going to get the church ready for when the inevitable shutdown happens? Um, and so that's where my, my doing center was really dominant. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of stuff because I, I knew that it needed to be done. I knew that I was capable of doing it. I knew that, um, we needed to do it. Um, but I, I don't think I fully understood the way that you teach nines during know your number with the example of Joe getting the newspaper and mm-hmm. the weed eater twine and all that stuff when he promised you coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> until I had a job that was so multifaceted of mm-hmm. saying, I've got all of these things that fall under the job description, not including the other duties as assigned right. just under the job description um, that for the last little bit, it's like, okay, we've, we've got online church. Now what? Now what, now what do I need to do? And so, um, it turned into a lot of unproductive doing mm-hmm. of just doing things, but it wasn't necessarily what needed to be done. And when we were both working from home, um, it was great for me because I was able to do my work and multitask with things around the house. I was able to do laundry and get the dishes done. <laughs> but then once I started going back to the office, Braden mm-hmm. was like, I'm working so much better with you not in the house. Right. Please leave. <laughs> with, you, with you not doing things all the time. Well, it's it wasn't that. It's that I think because I'm in the dependent stance, when somebody is around, like I feel like I need to be with that person. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I can't truly like do what is mine to do right. if somebody else is around because I'm like, I need I need to, you know, do what they're doing or at least be near them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she commandeered one of our guest rooms because she's doing therapy and telehealth. She would be able to close the door and have right. some semblance of privacy, whereas I was in our dining room um, just trying to do work. Um, so it's it's been a really interesting shift. Y'all had dated for a while before you got married, though, we right? We had. Yeah. We dated for almost two years, um, and then we're engaged for nine months before getting married. And you knew the Enneagram. Yes. Like, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what could better prepare you? Exactly. Right? How do you manage recognizing yourself in the other one based on nine moving to six in stressful times <laughs> and six moving to nine in times of security and things kind of being lined up. Do you, 
Are you aware of it at all? You know, I, I haven't had a chance yet to do much talking with people who are on the Central Triangle who are quarantined and spending <laughs> an unending amount of time together. Yeah. And I would think that I have a theory that what we don't like in ourselves, when we see it in somebody else, it's more annoying. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. She'll be the one that says it. Yeah. <laughs> I, You're avoiding conflict. Exactly. I, I, I'm not sure how much he notices m- the move in me to a nine and security. Um, but I am very aware of when he moves to a six Mm -hmm. and stress because he vocalizes that anxiety and kind of starts to, to spin down. And I'm like, I mean, I know how to cope with it because I've coped with it my whole life. And I'm like, and you've done a lot of work around that. (laughs) And I've done a lot of therapy and, um, you know, take medicine to help with anxiety. So that probably helps a little bit. Yeah. Are you thinking get, get yourself together? Yeah. I'm just like, (laughs) perhaps you should try my medication. (laughs) There's some in the bathroom. (laughs) This really helps. I promise. It's a lot. Y'all, y'all are just dealing with an awful lot. <laughs> it's been a, you're right. It, it has been a lot just within the last year of new jobs, new marriage, new city, global pandemic. Yeah. And then there's that. <laughs> and then there's that. No big deal. Do so, y'all ever, go ahead. Do y'all ever meet at three? Mom, if you'll talk about what that movement is for each number and then does that ever happen? Yeah. So it, does it happen for you all? that Andrew you're feeling really like you kind of got things going and you've got it all together for and and you're prepared for this moment it's <laughs> like that's part of that nine going to three mm-hmm. is I have prepared for this moment do you ever find yourself in that space and then Braden, are you ever kind of in not quite such a healthy place of three the only thing that I can think of is when it comes to politics, which is an interesting space because Andrew has been much more aware for much longer than I have. And so he knows the people to follow and, you know, very yeah. diversified voices. Whereas I feel like I am, you know, more new to the, you know, just political landscape of of actually paying attention to it um, and being aware. And so uh, we get each other very worked up Mm -hmm. when we, when politics comes up, I mean, we agree on it, but um, it's, I feel like something that he, that I'm more in that three space of a little bit um, more stressed about it. Whereas he is more secure in it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I I realized, it finally hit me back in January or February when I was talking with Georgine, my spiritual director. Mm -hmm. um, And we had this realization that um, neither of us hit the feeling center supernaturally. Mm -hmm. But it's when she is stressed that she feels all the feelings. But it's when I'm feeling secure and know myself a little bit better that I'm then able to name my feelings. Mm -hmm. But whenever I'm stressed, I go to six. And so it's, it's being able to name the feelings. It's when I'm secure and when she's stressed is when it shows up a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but I'm having a hard time thinking of like a, a particular time when we're both pulling that three energy at the same time. Well, and the reality is that feelings are a little bit, um, 
messy for both of you mm-hmm. because of the moves that you have to make to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, welcome to my world. Like, that, that's where <laughs> right. I live, right? Right. I, I would like to know what part of you, what part of your life experience is offering you security right now? And I'd like to know what you think your insecurity is connected to in terms of life experience. That's loaded. Add a girl. It is a really good question. I'm so glad you appreciate it. <laughs> As a therapist, she appreciates it. <laughs> she got that right away. I'm very proud of it, by the way. Too. I appreciate questions. Um, I think something that I've noticed since we've been together is that he's a huge source of security for me. Um, and so if, if we're together, then I'm usually in a, a pretty good space as, as far as um, feeling secure. And um, I think his, our relationship has helped me uh, get through or, you know, grow through a lot of things that uh, I didn't realize that I was living out of so much insecurity before, you know, we were together. Um, because before, uh, after I graduated college, I lived alone for a little bit. And so talk about being, you know, insecure and not really having that, that security. I got a dog because <laughs> that helps. Because why not? Right. Yeah. What was the second part of the question? Well, I want to play with the first one first okay. and then we'll go there. So, uh, your parents divorced when you were very little. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You're a six. You chose, uh, or it chose you, a profession that is a constant reminder of loss mm-hmm. and potential loss um, with lots of questions around belonging and belonging where. Right. It, it, there's a lot in your story <laughs> about the intuitive strength that you have to overcome all of it. Right. It's like you're very young, too. And I don't mean that from an no. old lady place. I'm just saying <laughs> you're very young to have uh, a master's degree in a field that is rewarding and challenging mm-hmm. that deals with issues that would have been a part of your childhood. Right. Right. And I'm very respectful of that. And I think that what that presents at times is an opportunity for security and at times is a pit of insecurity. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I'm asking is during this time, how do you avoid the pit so that everybody, all, everybody knows that, but all sixes know that, right? And how do you intentionally engage with your own sense of security? And and then I want to talk, Andrew, I'd like for you to reflect on the different responsibilities you feel depending on which one of those places that she's in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't switch it up, <laughs> yeah, y'all, that's the perfect response. Yep. <laughs> if you don't know which way to respond, it's the wrong response, yep. right? He's learned very, <laughs> he's been very teachable. There you go, there you go. <laughs> Uh, 
so man, social work. Yeah. Very rewarding, but also so very challenging, but there was so much of my education that forced me to deal with things that I would have never dealt with. Um, my attachment style, you know, what, what it meant for me to come from a broken family as they call it. Um, and the experience that I had living in, um, just a variety of settings. At one point I lived with my grandma and my mom. At another point I lived with just my grandma. Um, and so I felt like, I never felt like that was a, uh, that was a bad thing or an obstacle. Mm -hmm. Like I, I felt like that really helped me relate to what others were experiencing, but how I was able to get through that was a lot of therapy mm -hmm. <laughs> and reflection. And, uh, I d used to do a lot of journaling. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was something that just, and my faith, um, I think that was, I, I didn't grow up in church, um, but became a believer when I was a freshman in high school. Um, and just, I think, realizing that, like, I had gone through those things so that I could, I hadn't gone through those things without a purpose. Right. Um, and so I think that empowered me a lot. Mm -hmm. And then whenever, you know, because it d does come up whenever I'm talking with a client and something that they share, I'm like, oh, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> I go to therapy because I'm like, whenever I realize that it, it's triggered something that I, I thought I had dealt with that, and then I realize that I still have feelings about it, then I'm like, okay, um, I need to do some work on that because I, I'm obviously not as okay with that as I thought that I was. Yeah, yeah you, you have chosen a life path as a counterphobic six <laughs> that insists, you know, so the way I teach it is that phobic six is flee, right? And counterphobic sixes try to conquer what they're afraid of. Right. And that is your life path. You're just conquering, conquering, conquering. And it is uh, distinctive, Andrew, from the thing that you have to be careful about, which is allowing life to affect you. Mm -hmm. it, it's like this, Braden's story is life affected me and this is what I've done. Yeah. And so obviously you have some journey that I hope you're fixing to tell me about <laughs> <laughs> that set the table for you to be affected by life so that you could have an appropriate appreciation for it in somebody else. Oof. Man. <laughs> so I, I think it's also good to know that I haven't always been as counterphobic as I am. Mm -hmm. I think especially when we first started dating, I was much more phobic. Um, I think before I had a, a stronger handle on my anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was and mental my mental health um depression and i had really bad panic attacks for a while and so i was i mean literally forced to have to deal with it because i tried to not deal with it for a long time um because i think grew up with a stigma around mental health and mental illness and um and so whenever i started seeing those things in myself i wanted to just cover them up because it wasn't safe for me to talk about but until I mean, I was literally forced because I had 
panic attack. I mean, I just thought that I was going to die all the time. Mm-hmm. I would leave the house and I mean, a plane's going to crash and I'm going to die mm-hmm. or, you know, just completely irrational things. And so, um, I was forced to deal with that. And then I think kind of made the move to being more counterphobic. Okay. I'm not going to argue with your story. Because <laughs> uh, that would just be inappropriate. But. We learned in our last conversation that was what she said. The reason why she loves stories so much is that people can't argue like, with story when you it's share a story. story. Yeah. And <laughs> I just want to say that um, I hear you saying that you were forced, and I still think there was a lot of choice in that. And I want to honor all the choices that you made. I appreciate that. So that we'll do that. Okay. All right. It's our turn. Our turn. As a nine in ministry and all the things that we've set the table with about where you all find yourselves right now, how are you discerning intuitively or intentionally what you're going to allow to affect you and what you're not? Hmm. I think a lot of it would be um, how it relates to other people. And so like right now, all the conversations, at least at the church, have to do with what are we doing with COVID? Mm-hmm. What does our reopening look like? What's the, the contingency plan if someone shows up that is positive for COVID? Um, kind of a little bit of the sickness of the, the what ifs. Mm-hmm. Um, but realizing like, okay, let's think through these things so that when it comes... Um, or if it comes, it's not a, a point of contention or conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, we've got a, really does sound pretty sickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a plan. Um, but I would say some of it is, yeah, just the question centering around conflict and, um, will choice A or B lead to conflict or not? Mm-hmm. Um, will, I'm having a hard time thinking of a good example right now. I don't think that is six-ish, by the way. That sounds very nine to me Mm -hmm. because it's not reactive. It's all of this, I'm back here objectively looking at things, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is lovely, I suppose. (laughs) It's not my life experience, but I'm happy for you. (laughs) And how are these things going to line up, Mm -hmm. right? That, That is typical nine behavior that is being turned into a positive, mm-hmm. right? So you spend a lot of time asking yourself as a nine, is this going to lead to conflict? Oh, yes. Right? But in times like this, you are asking a different question, which is, does this avoid conflict? Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. See, now look how you're wearing that. It's like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. That's it. Yep. <laughs> so I think we have to say to everybody who's listening, that y'all are young, but you've been doing Enneagram work for a long time. Yeah. And you don't have conversations like this unless you've done Enneagram for a long, work for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's we're talking about so many different levels of behavior. Mm-hmm. And those nuances in nineness are, are, I believe, what brings peace to other people. Yeah. So you know when to ask yourself, is this going to be conflictual? And then you hold it. Usually, not with you. I mean, I understand it doesn't work at home, usually. But oh, sometimes. No, it, he's, he's very good. Yeah, so is Joe. Good grief. <laughs> what I know. does 
What does an Enneagram conversation sound like in y'all's household, if you don't mind peeling back the curtain? So you're, you're at home, it's quarantine, you've got this tool on board for your marriage, and uh, how does that come out? What does that sound like? Let's give a hypothetical. <laughs> By so, that laughter, I figure you have an example. No, I just, I have a question and maybe an example. You're married to a nine. I am. Do you find that nines have, like, scripts for things? Like, they go to, like, kind of a... Uh, I already love where this is going. Let's like just phrases that they use commonly that they don't even think about and just say, and and they don't, they don't realize how often they say it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you think that's a nine thing? Mm -hmm. Okay. I do. (laughs) Cause before I married him, I had a roommate who was a nine. Mm -hmm. She also did it. Um, And so we have a dog and, all of the time I'll talk to her and she'll, and he'll go, did you hear that? Did you hear what she said? Not even realizing that he mm-hmm. like says this, that same thing every single time that I say anything to the dog. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'll bring it up. I'm like, like, do you realize that you say that? And mm-hmm. he was like, I do. Every single time that I say something to her, you, you use that phrase. Mm-hmm. All of that. In nines is conflict avoidance <laughs> until it causes conflict, right? And oh, so, yes. like, and when she says, "Do you realize that you say that every time?" Then, then you take a deep breath. It's like, uh oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like here it comes. Because right? our our go to defense mechanism is defensiveness, right? And so, any any kind of you statements with a little bit of a punch turns into both of us getting getting our guard up and getting our shield up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, conflict avoidance. But that doesn't answer your question on what does a typical Enneagram conversation look like? Way to bring us back. <laughs> I think one of the things that we realized um, when we were doing our premarital counseling work was that when we're doing the work, we're in a really good place. Yep. And so when we um, we did a, a six-week class um, with some folks down in Waco, and we realized that when we were focused on the material that they gave us to do for those six weeks, we were in a really good place. We're having conversations. We're talking about substance, substantive. There it is. Whatever mm-hmm. that word is. Well said. Things. And so with the Enneagram, whenever we are actively utilizing it as a tool, actively thinking about how it's affecting our life, how we're actively thinking about how it's working in our marriage and then having conversations about it, we are in a much better place. Um, because I know you've said it all the time, being able to take away the names or the circumstances and just use a number. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to point out like, oh, that was some really six behavior, some really, really nine behavior. Um, then we're able to work through it a little bit more without quite as much defensiveness. I think that um, nines are more conflict avoidant at home when... They can't leave home in any kind of regular pattern. Mm-hmm. I, I think leaving is uh, an opportunity for balancing for nines. <laughs> and I think when they can't leave, then they are more focused on, I don't want to say the wrong thing, than they are on being themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Right. If, if Billy were here, he'd be, I mean, jumping up and down with the yes. He and I have talked about that a little bit based on what he shared during those live streams mm-hmm. of when he had an office, when there was conflict, when there was tension with the boys, with the dog, with the wife, with the whatever, he got to retreat and then process it. And le- okay, let's compare and contrast, if y'all don't mind. So his wife's an eight. So mm-hmm. she wants to handle it right then. Right. We're doing this now. Mm-hmm. And he got to, he did not want to do that mm-hmm. and, yeah. and couldn't do that. And so he got to use that. I've got, you know, office to retreat mm-hmm. to, to gather himself, gather his thoughts, feelings, everything. And then, you know, with Joey, mm-hmm. then stand toe to toe with her. Yeah. I know for him with Joey. He needed to stand toe to toe with her because that's what she needed from him. That's right. What is it that you're not getting because you don't get to withdraw that you need to communicate through those tough times with Braden? Well, and I think what we're not getting then is a peaceful, tension-free house. Um, so during COVID times when we're both there all the time and there's conflict that's unresolved, as with any conflict, you can feel the tension. Right. And, and neither of us are big, bold, loud, confrontational type people. Brain's kind of shaking her head a little bit. It depends on the situation. It depends on the situation. <laughs> um, our, our conflicts are usually a little bit quieter than what you think of when you think of a marital conflict. It's quiet because I usually kind of blow up a little bit. I will raise my, my voice gets louder just kind of naturally. Mm-hmm. And so then I, I don't like that reaction in myself. And so I need time to cool down, mm-hmm. get recomposed. Yeah. And so we, it's usually a big moment kind of a, not even that we don't yell at each other, but yeah. a, a disagreement where we, we know we're not seeing eye to eye on this. Mm-hmm. And then we both, it's quiet for an hour or so while we, we compose ourselves mm-hmm. so that we can actually have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause so here's my question. And I think this is what you're looking for. Would mm-hmm. the conversation be different if you had that in the morning and you had to leave for the church and you're going to be back at five than it is that you're going to leave for the kitchen mm-hmm. and you'll be back in two minutes? Yeah, it would be different um, for sure. But also from nine to five, I'd probably be thinking about it too right. um, and thinking what it would what it would. All the potential scenarios, because one of the things that I've realized recently is um, our our intensity levels. <laughs> and so I've recently picked up the analogy of like two different size cups and mm. we both might be at 80 percent, but our 80 percent is different in volume. Um, that is brilliant. So like we've got that's really good. You we've got my, that with me. my big 32 ounce cup and yeah. have a little 12 ounce cup and yeah. our 80 percent is very different. Um and so trying to think through all of those things. Um, but yeah, if I were to, if we were to have conflict in the morning, it'd be much different than in the evening. Um, and I think another layer right. to that is, again, going back to the energy levels, is any kind of conflictual conversation at 10 o'clock, I have no energy for. Are we talking about 10 o'clock at night? Yes, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, I oh tell my you, God, has he ever gone to sleep when you're fighting with him? <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I, he started to, and I'm like, you're seriously just going no to kidding. roll over. No kidding. Really? I have said, I told Joe years ago, years ago, I said, 
you just need to go sleep on the couch. He said, I'm fine here. If you want somebody to sleep on the couch, you go. <laughs> See, I like to use the teaching of good, healthy boundaries with my wife. So, there we go. you know, when she wants to get something going, yeah. it's like, listen, I'm, I'm going to bed. I need uh-huh. rest. Uh-huh. We can talk about this tomorrow if you want to. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if you still want to level, tomorrow. It's a little level of health for me. This might have been said at our house during the quarantine. What are you going to do now? Because you can't go to your office. <laughs> mm. I mean, you can use that if you want. It might have been said. But I, but there's a thing when what you have to say is, what are you going to do now because you can't go to the church? Hmm. Like that's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. That, whole, that whole pastor thing put together with the equanimity of a nine and all of that peaceful stuff that God gave y'all extra for some reason <laughs> is um, misunderstood by most people because most nines don't say what you readily said, which is it would be different if I went to the office, but I would be thinking about it all day. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like for you to talk about that a little bit because I think most people, even most people who are married to nines, believe that once they leave that they're just on about life and that the other person is stewing at home Mm -hmm. that billy is at the office and joey's at home unhappy that dad's at the office and i'm at home crying that andrew's at the office and brayden is at home how would you fill that in joey's angry i'm sad and feeling a mixture of sad anger what are you feeling Really annoyed, probably. Annoyed. Mm-hmm. Boy, I wish I could be annoyed. Okay. <laughs> I think mine would be resentful. I know no one asked, but. Yeah. Well, we just didn't ask because you're not with a nine. I mean. Oh, okay, gotcha. oh yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So what does it feel like all day? Well, it's interesting that you ask how do I, what would it feel like? Yeah. Because I was, I was thinking that my stance is doing and right. it's also repressed. Right. But I think I'm primarily supporting that with thinking, not feeling. So I'm going to be thinking about it all day, Um, not as much feeling it. Um, It would take some work to feel like in my gut that I'm like, oh, I'm really nervous. I'm anxious. What am I going to say? What is she going to say? But then it turns into at the office, I'm just constantly doing things just to take my mind off of it. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Oh, always. (laughs) Um, But then trying to think through what okay, what, what time is it? Oh, it's 1 o'clock. 5 o'clock's coming. 5 o'clock's coming. Okay. It's 2 o'clock. I'm not that scary. But, but conflict but is. Conflict is. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Conflict is that scary. And I think one of the things, and you can school me more on this than I have been, and I want more. I think uh, we we, the rest of us who are not nines, have very little understanding of how scary conflict is for y'all what is dad's supportive center so andrew just said that his is thinking thinking his is thinking also would it look different for would that day be any different for a nine whose supportive center was feeling uh it would depend on subtype because i think jenny's is feeling (laughs) but she's a sexual subtype which changes the whole 
thing, right? And I actually think that nines use both. I think all three of those numbers use both, but mm-hmm. one's dominant. And yeah, one's a- Andrew knows that his is definitely dominant. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Dad would say that he thinks either is particularly dominant. And I don't know what Billy would say. Okay. And one of the reasons I don't know is because they take in everything in their gut. So even if they aren't emotions, which we would associate with feelings, it is anxiety, mm-hmm. which is all that. It's the butterflies stuff. and everything. All that, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's also important to note that Andrew wasn't raised doing conflict. He was raised in a very conflict-free home. Oh. So conflict, when we first started dating, was very scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the conflict that I saw would be my brother has a a, a quick temper. We think we think he's probably an eight, mm-hmm. um, and if not, then he's a five and goes to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he and my mom would butt heads, and my mom would be stewing about it. Mm-hmm. But Brad would go to his room, and five o'clock will roll around. He'll say, "What's for dinner?" Mm-hmm. And so that was the extent of it. My and he's the youngest child. I am the youngest child. Um, my parents' conflict was done behind closed doors mm-hmm. um, without the kids around. Um, and so, yeah, conflict wasn't a big thing growing up. Um, and I know my mom's listening to this, so she can correct me if I'm wrong. But, <laughs> but yeah, when we first started dating, conflict was really scary. Um, and having to realize that this was real, she's not going anywhere as we got more serious because going back to... What got Braden to be I didn't help that because in my mind, anytime little, anything little did happen was I, this isn't good. Mm -hmm. So that didn't help the, you know, making conflict feel safe. Mm -hmm. But going back to what you were talking about earlier about choosing the social work field and um, what Suzanne was saying about your family history (laughs) coming to now on our very first date, she was explaining all of this. And the first words out of my mouth were, so is that why you chose to be a social worker? <laughs> there you go. Take the foot out of the mouth. Um, That's okay. That's, it, but you knew. Mm-hmm. You knew. <laughs> Only because of my reaction. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> so my family's messed up. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of <laughs> learning that conflict will be okay, that she's not going anywhere. I'm yep. not going anywhere. Yep. Um, and now... <laughs> Especially during COVID times, I found a counselor for myself, and we've been working on conflict and leaning into conflict and not avoiding it and realizing that avoiding conflict leads to conflict. Amen. Um, I have a very distinct memory of when we were dating. We were on, (laughs) we were canoeing or kayaking, two-person kayak in the middle of the river, (laughs) and I think I bring up the fact that he doesn't like conflict. Timely. That's very timely. And then timely. she literally tries to rock the canoe. And then I, I'm literally rocking the boat. And he is so uncomfortable. And I wasn't being very kind. Um, I, I was being kind. I just was pushing him further than he felt She's comfortable. <laughs> I am. He calls me a pest all the time. Um, most of my family does. <laughs> so I'm also the youngest child. But that's where a lot of the, you can see the counterphobic six was. Right. What I know about relationships, I know that 
if a relationship doesn't have conflict, it's not a good relationship. Mm -hmm. You have to disagree with things in order to have a healthy relationship. And so I knew that that was missing. And so I was going to create some even. (laughs) And so, yeah, I I think, um, what a terrible waste of a kayaking trip, first right. of all. I know. Nice vacation. It was a great day on the Brazos. <laughs> I just, so you're out horseback riding with Joe uh-huh, and uh-huh. creating a little conflict, conflict. for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just... The things you nines have to put up with. It's life hard. <laughs> I do think, though, that... Um, I do think avoiding conflict causes conflict. But I also have come to learn that I think some conflict can be avoided mm-hmm. with trust and reason. Yeah. And nines are just pretty trustworthy and they are reasonable. And so I tend to believe that there are numbers that find a lack of response to be threatening, not a lack of conflict. Hmm. And I think if we differentiate those two things, then we avoid conflict Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately in a kind of a healthy, maybe better way. Right. Right. Okay. um, Let's, let's, they're doing so good and they've had so much therapy and they got so much going on. Let's, let's, Stir things up a little. Well, I, that sounds uh, like Braden. Do you have a stir things up question, or uh, what you got? During quarantine time, which I don't. Are we still in quarantine time? I don't know. I don't know. I don't That's kind of like when you're talking about like... in history. Like when was that? Uh, <laughs> COVID is still happening. If that's yeah. if that's what you mean. <laughs> well, during one of the live streams, you threw out the idea that you wanted people that were in close confines to do this experiment of the 369 triangle and monitoring that movement mm-hmm. uh, between the, the two of you. Y'all did that. A little bit. We, we didn't go out and get the whiteboard and the magnets, right, but, we, right. I mean, but we, have. we should have. We thought about it a lot. <laughs> oh, I well, do that really okay. good. What were your thoughts? I'd like to hear your thoughts I on would that. Too. Well, I just think it was, it was interesting. Once, we, once y'all started talking about that and trying to be more aware of the movement, mm-hmm. Um, and then for us, once we more fully understood the, the stance work and what's dominant mm-hmm. and repressed at the mm-hmm. same time, mm-hmm. once we fully understood that, we were then able to recognize that, um, at least for me, that I'm doing, 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 and it's not, not productive. Mm-hmm. And she's thinking, 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 and it's not always productive. But then being able to recognize, um, Especially during COVID times, like I said at the beginning, um, when back in March, when we were talking about bringing church online, I was, I was in my element. And so I was on the high side of nine and moving, pulling some energy from, from my threeness, um, and really getting things done. And mm-hmm. I was, like I said, I was in my element, but then we've both had times where things just weren't clicking. And so I was, um, getting a lot more a lot more stressed and on the bottom half of average to unhealthy side of nine, um, pulling some of that six energy. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have that Enneagram language to talk about those movements, um, was really helpful. Were you going to say something? No, I just was thinking of, cause I go to three. So that's when I am productive and do things. And so 
when we have conflict, but you're doing things out of stress. I am do. I'm cleaning up the house, mm-hmm. and he's sitting on the couch, like coloring on his iPad. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> this happened this past week, <laughs> and so I'm sitting there doing and just watching him sitting and just getting <laughs> getting angrier and angrier. That, um, but recognizing that you know. I'm in that three right. space. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I have the energy to do those right. things. Whereas, because the house was messy and so I was picking things up mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, he wasn't because that wasn't the space that he was in, which I, didn't I think that it was mine to do at the time. <laughs> and at the time I didn't recognize that. <laughs> at, the, at the time. At the time. At the time. I know it's mine to do, but not at the time. At the time. <laughs> Here's what I think. I think um, I have relearned during this time of Joe being home so much how much nines need time away Mm. from home, like uh, or away from us. And I don't think that's a negative. I just think that nines need a space that they can go to and i think the key word is that's neutral Mm. because i think nines are so often neutral (laughs) right and that's not a negative that's it's a definite positive that you have space that isn't charged positively or negatively Mm -hmm. it's just space yeah and i think when you don't have access to that it's a problem and i wish i had kind of come to that reality uh, sooner uh, during this time of us all being quarantined because I think we need to let nines have some space. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to to do that if you don't need any, if you, the other person, don't have that same need. Mm-hmm. Space for me is never neutral as a two. I don't, I don't have that experience. Well, and space for him doesn't have to be an office. Right. Space for him involves his phone or iPad Mm -hmm. and checking out. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas me, like I need, I need him to be out of the house for me to have space. Right. Because if he's in the house, even if I'm in a different room in my head, he's still there. And so I can't, I couldn't do what I would do if, I were alone. Yes, and that space on screens is only neutral if there hasn't been conflict around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it lacks that neutrality, right? Oh. So I just think nines need some space that we're not inclined to give them. Did I ruin the screens for you? Nah. I'll still enjoy my coloring app. <laughs> affected. <laughs> you, uh, affected. I got to be out of the house. Yeah, the space needs to be literal. Yeah, I got to have some space. Mm-hmm. And I think some numbers really need space. And I I think all numbers do. I think it just takes other numbers longer to get there. Whitney's in the camp of let's be alone together. Yeah. Type deal. That's mm-hmm. not a thing for me. <laughs> yeah. That's not a thing for dad either. It's a But it is for you. Is it that it, that's it is for you, correct? You being mom I would have answered differently uh, six months ago. Well, it's average space. Average space twos. We can be alone together. I'm alone here. You're alone there. Yeah, I'm just saying average or healthy space. Six months ago, I would have said uh, I can 
always be alone together. And now that dad is home so much and I'm supposed to be writing, I actually uh, sometimes feel like I won't get it done unless I have some space. Mm-hmm. That's a new thing. I'm just saying. I think that's a very new thing for me, which is why it's awkward for me to even kind of try to talk about it. But I've, I, I think there are a lot of people who are quarantined at home who need alone time, who six months ago, if you said, do you need alone time, would have said, no, mm-hmm. I don't. Do you, yeah. Would you have said that differently? Oh, I mean, no. I've always very you've always much enjoyed alone my alone time. Yeah, when we first started dating, um, when she was in college, and even when we were first started dating, um, her, her alone time was to get in the car and just go for a drive. And yeah. just go drive, and even for a couple of hours, that was her alone time to get away from people and the world and... That thought would never cross my mind. <laughs> I also grew up in the country, kind of out. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of grew up with that. If I, I think had I grown up or surrounded by a lot of people and a lot of things to do, that wouldn't be my go-to. Mm-hmm. I think this, I, I think um, for those of us who have some tools to work with, I think that this time has allowed us an opportunity to learn things about the other person that we didn't know mm-hmm. and respect them mm-hmm. instead of just knowing it's different from me and trying to figure out what it means, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's different, and it's different because we have nine different ways of being in the world, and that means there are nine ways of doing all of this too. And different is okay. Different is necessary, yeah. actually. When you, and uh, learning to understand it is maybe part of the challenge of this time. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I feel like I've learned an awful lot about Joe, and we've been together for a very long time. <laughs> you mentioned earlier talking to a spiritual director. Yeah. And you are a therapist. Suzanne always says you need a spiritual director and a therapist. And what's the difference and what does that mean and where to find all the things around that? Could you all talk some to that? Yeah, I think you're really good because you have seen both. Yeah, um, so I'll start with spiritual director because I've seen her longer. What's been really wonderful about um, meeting with Georgine once a month is that we're able to talk, um, one, about ministerial jobs um, because she was a pastor as well. Um, so we're able to talk through what ministry and what work looks like, um, but we're able to take it to a deeper level to say, yes, I'm a minister and yes, I work in a church, but that is not just a job. I'm not going to the church just for a paycheck. And so we're really, a lot of the work is to make sure that I'm making sure that I'm not doing that where I'm, I'm making sure that I'm not just going to the church as a job, as a paycheck. But then also being able to talk through what um, what spiritual practices are are working, um, what's not, trying to find ways to make space for recognizing the the movement of the spirit in our lives, um, being able to take a step back and see how God is working through all of the craziness of the last three years, um, because on top of the things that we mentioned earlier with all the newness plus the pandemic, we've also had um, family health issues and family deaths. And so being able to work through all of those 
um, from a spiritual level and saying, okay, how, how has this impacted my relationship with God? What am I doing to connect with God or, or not? And so that's kind of where the spiritual director side has been, has been really, really helpful. And I actually found, found out about her through, through y'all. Um, I reached out back in the fall trying to, trying to find one, um, that would do, do telehealth, um, mm-hmm. because, um, we're in Oklahoma right now and, but knowing that just life is fluid and I wanted someone for longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so saying, if we're not in Oklahoma in five years, I can still be able to meet with Georgine. I don't mm-hmm. have to find someone new and start all over again. Right. And then when we're in Texas, I'm, haven't been able to do it yet, but like if we're ever in Texas around the time of our meeting time, mm-hmm. being able to go to Austin and see her in person, um, COVID's thrown a wrench in that. But then on the therapy side. Um, okay, wait, wait a sec. Yeah. Uh, just because I'll forget, what spiritual practices are working for you as a nine? Mm-hmm. I literally wrote down, can you name one that works and, and one that you said some Doesn't that work, work and mm-hmm. some that don't work? Can you name one of each? Yeah. So right now what I'm working on is um, contemplative prayer, but with a more of a Lectio Divina mm-hmm. aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And so this this is actually within the last few weeks. You'll need to explain that to all of us laymen. I can do that. <laughs> um, the last time that Georgine and I met, um, we we recognized, actually do this a little bit of roundabout way realizing that just the way that our house is set up, being able to do a contemplative sit in the morning is a little bit of a challenge because, um, like I said, Braden commandeered one of our guest rooms that she can do her her job from the back. I offered to set up a space for him. He denied it. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and so I'm doing my, my morning time in our living room, mm-hmm. um, but our living room is attached to our bedroom, which mm-hmm. is attached to our kitchen. And so... And then we've also got a puppy. So getting up in the morning, there's always some sort of distraction. So mm-hmm. getting a, a good 20 minutes in um, didn't really work at, at the beginning. And I, I thought, let's let's see if I can do that when I when I first get to the office. Sure. Um, but then I've got to walk past everybody else's office to get to my office. Right. And so I'm 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 still working on getting a getting a good 20 minute sit in during the day. Occasionally it's in the afternoon at, at work, but Going back to what is working is Georgine suggested doing, trying to carve out space for for silence and reflection, kind of twofold. One, I'm using I'm using the prayer beads, uh-huh. um, and those have been really good in recognizing the fruit of the spirit being mm-hmm. a little bit more evident by by praying the beads. But then also she said, um, pick something. It can be the lyrics to music that you like. Mm-hmm. Um, pick a pick up a hymnal, a book of poetry, something that. She she la- jokingly said, "As your Christian spiritual director, don't pick up the Bible, um, be- <laughs> because she said, as a minister, as a seminary right. graduate, you're going to pick it up and start analyzing it and thinking of sermons and how you're going to teach it and all that stuff." She, she said, "Don't pick up the Bible, <laughs> pick up something else and read through it and do it with a, a contemplative mindset of where is God in these words." And so, um, over the last two two and a half weeks, I've been using a. Morgan Harper Nichols book, mm-hmm. um, her, her new book of poetry that just came out. And that's, that's been really good to get a little bit more grounded in my identity in Christ and my purpose in life and who I am, recognizing that my presence matters and all of that being rooted and grounded in my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. All right. Now therapy and what, what the difference is. Yeah. Um, so I, 
wasn't actually planning on getting a counselor until Braden put out this post on Facebook about how to find a good counselor, how to, why people just in general need a counselor, whether you've had complex trauma or not, um, we can all benefit from therapy. And it was through her posting the link to psychologytoday.com where you can just search their database of therapists. I was like, oh, let's just see who else in Oklahoma City. But then once I started looking, I was like, nope, I'm going to do it. And I just set my mind to it. Um, so I, I found one and primarily just to start talking through what has life been like with dealing with COVID and just all of the life changes that we had in the mm-hmm. last year and mm-hmm. realizing that there could have been opportunities that we dealt with them in a more healthy way. <laughs> and so we've we've most recently been working through um, through conflict and conflict avoidance mm-hmm. and leaning into conflict and those kinds of things. And so my therapist has been more helpful in looking at more of the day-to-day things with the interactions with others and how the conflict or conflict avoidance affects different mm-hmm. relationships, how it affects my work, how it affects our marriage and different things like that. And so it's come from more of the, um, the psychological realm as opposed to the spiritual realm. And so that's, therapy is, is a new thing for me. And so Braden could probably speak a little bit more into the, the complexities of, <laughs> of being a counselor and a therapist and all those things. That's also new to me. Well, I think, um, I think you did a great job mm-hmm. talking about, the difference because it's a different skill set from each. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they actually don't overlap unless you have a therapist who really wanted to be a spiritual director or a spiritual director <laughs> who really wanted to be a therapist. <laughs> and I think um, with, with any two people, any two people or any family, Things are too messy to work out without a third voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think your relationship with God is too messy to work out without a third voice. I think the fact that you know there's a third voice makes you behave better. It, it <laughs> just true. does, yeah. right? I'm going to have to go tell her about this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so uh, kudos to you. I'm really proud of both of you for all the Enneagram work you've done and for the fact that you said, I'm just going to do this. I'm going <laughs> to just do this. And I, uh, Joe and I have had a therapist for a long time. We've had a spiritual director for all time. And I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how much we would have hurt each other without it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in ways that you don't get to take back. Yeah. Right. So just clarify, did you that. say heard or hurt? Hurt. Okay. It could be both. I know that was like that. Both of those work. Hang on. Yeah, they both do work. But I, I I think a third party, whether they're in the room or not, help you behave. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like with the doing the contemplative sit with the book of poetry. Yeah. Georgine said, "I want you to try this for thirty days, and when we meet next, I'm going to ask you about it." Right. And so having that. Oh, she's, she's going to ask me about it. Mm-hmm. I, I need to make sure that I'm doing it. <laughs> Accountability is so key. It is. In everything. Yeah. I mean, is, is there Literally one? everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what therapy is about if you don't have mental health issues, which I guess everybody sort of does. But, it, you know, if you're fairly healthy and if mm-hmm. you've done some work, 
then that's about accountability too, and it's about understanding. I I don't know. I don't know how you could do life without. Both. Right. It's 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 about bouncing things off of someone else that's not yourself. We feed our ego and our personality mm-hmm. when we don't step outside of ourselves for that other perspective or view right, or to get professional that, I mean, opinion insight that i that my therapist has given me i mean has just been so i mean invaluable that you me know too. things I, that like i i would have never thought about a situation this way and because i'm stuck over here you know with my limited view of it mm-hmm. um and so whenever you're able to bring in a unbiased party who you know does has nothing to benefit from telling you what you want right. to hear, right? Other than you coming yeah. back, but <laughs> well, and with mine, my therapist saying, I said, pretty much once a week. Well, what would happen if? And yep. then we start talking about the conflict or anything like that. What would happen if? And then making me be a little bit more rational. I also think that uh, I, it's real easy for me to be absolutely sure that God wants exactly what I want mm-hmm. <laughs> and that God thinks the same thing I think about other people. <laughs> and you know, a spiritual director, a good one just handles all of that real quick. Oh, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's, a, it's a thing. Changing gears a little bit. Uh, and sorry, this is all out of order now. You're good. Earlier you talked about thinking that you're a five, an Enneagram five. Yep. What changed? What's the big difference? So you're going... You're introduced to the Enneagram, mm-hmm. you're a five. Yep. And then wait a second, I'm a nine. Yeah. Um, a lot of it was just recognizing the nuances in the withdrawing stance. But um in college I had a bunch of friends that were had a bunch of friends that were probably more acquaintances. Um and I still keep up with them through social media and stuff, but I only had a really small group that I um truly like actually still keep up with to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that my withdrawingness was because I was just going to just take in all this information. I was a, I was a good student. And once I learned about the Enneagram, you said that, um, during one of the know your numbers, you're like, and fives really love the Enneagram. I'm like, this is awesome. I love it. And so I, <laughs> the, I think the first like actual Enneagram book that I bought was Rizzo and Hudson, Wisdom of the Enneagram, and started reading it like like a textbook, mm-hmm. um, and just diving headfirst into it. I was like, okay, this this just must be it. Um, but it wasn't until having a really strong, really good relationship that I was able to recognize that I'm not withdrawing because I just want to learn more. I'm withdrawing because I don't want to deal with conflict. That was the that was the switch for me, mm-hmm. realizing like. And you didn't realize your presence mattered. Mm. Yeah. That's such a non-response. Mm. Like, yeah, I didn't. And and you know that behind that is... I still don't. Does it really? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are so good for each other. It makes me happy. <laughs> it makes me happy to be with you. A lot of people ask us about the difference in five and nine mm-hmm. and how you tell the difference. And I want to ask a personal question. You don't have to answer it. Okay. But um, I think there are young nines who think they're fives because they haven't experienced affection that they realize is an answer to something in them. Mm. And so when you talk about kind of figuring some of that out when you started dating, 
you know, the big difference is that nines crave affection. They just don't ask for it. Mm -hmm. And fives find it very draining. And I think you have to be in the right relationship to know that about yourself. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to see if that rings true to you as part of how you discovered yeah, I, that. I think so. Yeah, no, it, it rings true. Uh, yeah. Just realizing that um, love and affection that Braden gives is unconditional. And like I've said several times throughout this thing is she's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, I can piss her off like crazy, but she's not going anywhere. Right. Um, and realizing that she's sticking around and she's good to the all of her bones. Um, she's, I'm going to get going now. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, just being able to receive that from her um, was was a big shift because, um, like you said, a five can take it or leave it. Um, but as a nine, realizing like she's offering it and it's what I needed. Yeah, and yeah. I think there was a level of self awareness that he had never been challenged to have before. Yep. Mm, yeah, he was he was able to get through on the surface level. Oh, yeah, and I. Um, well, you know, present oriented and so very self-aware. And so there was this, when we first started dating, this huge shift and like, because I would leave our time and I would think about him and think about all of these things. And I would come back, well, you know, I was thinking about this thing that Mm -hmm. we, you know, we talked about yesterday and he was like, I don't think about you. And I was like, you don't think about me. Yeah, and then the only thing is, why did nobody teach you not to say that? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, here's what I have to say. The two of you are a delight. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you for all the work you've done and for your integrity with your word and uh, your honesty. And... Uh, Let's close with this. What would you say that you wish, Andrew, I want you to say what you wish everybody knew about sixes. And Braden, I want you to say what you wish everybody knew about nines. Man, we're thinking about this on the way down, but the reverse. Uh Uh-huh. See, you thought you had me, didn't Mm -hmm. you? I I did. Yeah, never. I I did. No. Baseball season is on. We're throwing (laughs) a curveball at us. Oof. You want to start? <laughs> no, you can go first. I would say I wish people knew about sixes, that they are good to the very soul of who they are. They are loyal and trustworthy. Um, they aren't going anywhere. Um, if you if you find yourself in a relationship with a six and you have a good relationship, they are not going anywhere. And And in the midst of the anxiety and the the worst case scenario planning um they do have that faith they do have that courage um and being in relationship with them is helping them to tap into that a little bit more um, because it's there and they know it's there it's um but being able to walk alongside them and say even in the midst of whatever's going on a death of a family member cancer diagnosis coronavirus we're going to be okay we got this um, I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. So, yeah. There's a lot of things I would say about sixes. He just knows he has to go home with me. 
I think nines bring a sense of even keeledness, level headedness Mm -hmm. that is so absent um, from so much of the world today. And that nines are steady. And I think so much of what is portrayed in media presents that as boring or, you know, kind of impractical or, you know, old soul ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know how much I needed that in my life until I was in relationship with Andrew. Um, and just because I am often not very steady or, um, you know, don't keep a kind of even attitude and but no matter the situation Andrew is rock steady and there and you know you can always expect that and knowing what to expect is so I think so so helpful for me as a six yep yep predictable yeah yeah well um it's the families and the children that you work with are really lucky mm-hmm and the church that you're helping to pastor is really lucky. Um, and we're blessed to have you with us today. Thank you so, so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. Let me get that, see if we got that applause button happening here. <laughs> oh, it's happening. <laughs>